comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 39 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in The Rambler, I'll be hosting Ivory Lane. I feel like pop is a genre that is very inclusive. You can write something in like an 80s style and put a certain production sheen on it and then it's pop. But then you've got someone else who's doing something really minimalist and spoken word in there and all this. It's just so diverse right? that I felt like it gave me the freedom to write and produce whatever I wanted in whatever style I wanted. Mm -hmm. Ivory started songwriting at age six, but didn't take serious interest until turning 14. She taught herself music production, working from her bedroom and posting demos online. In 2011, her work caught the attention of Grammy award-winning producer Ed Cash. The two wrote, produced, and released her first EP, Volume 1, in 2013. Shortly after, Lane moved from her hometown in Denver, North Carolina to Nashville, Tennessee to further her artist career. With her prolific lyrics and distinct musicality, Lane was quickly signed to a publishing deal with LBK Entertainment, writing with top names in Nashville, such as Jimmy Robbins, Shane McAnally, and Lori McKenna. Her sharpness in the writer's room landed her two global ad campaigns featuring her second EP's title track, Something's Gonna Happen, in 2014, and gave her opportunities to collaborate with artists such as Andrew McMahon in The Wilderness, Zombies on Broadway. Between her work and co-writes, Lane also found time for session singing on various projects such as Need the Breed single, Brother. Her well-rounded skill sets attracted the attention of superstar Justin Timberlake, who signed Lane to his artist development company, Villa 40, in 2015. Since signing, Lane has been hard at work crafting her next project in the studio and writer's room. Her music has flavors of her influences, Peter Gabriel, Annie Lennox, Coldplay, and Emojin Heap, while all taking on its life of its own. And authenticity unique to Lane. Lane traveled to London to work with producer Liam Howe, on new music, including her latest releases, Boy Loves Me and Heaven. She is currently releasing new music as we speak. Wow, that was a that was a mouthful. I think I got it all right, too. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, uh, we had a great chat in the Rambler, and then make sure to stay tuned at the, uh, the end of the episode, and she'll be playing one of her new songs. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. Hello, Nashville. Today, I'm hanging out at the Nissan Stadium with Ivory Lane. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Andrew. You're welcome. Sometimes I'll sit down with somebody and I'm like, I don't even know how I stumbled upon you, but somebody must have liked you on Instagram or something or somewhere. And I was like, oh, she's got a really cool sound. And you just seem so upbeat. And, you know, even just a little bit of post that you had on there, you know, I was like, 
so I so I'll like or I'll follow a person. And I'm like they could be a cool interview down the road. So oh, I love that. That's how I found you. I'm glad that you said that because I was so curious how, how found, you found me. I don't, and it's funny because I still don't remember like what what triggered it. Because some I can be like, all right, I heard this person on the podcast and they said something about that. And that. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. But I found you I'm on glad, Instagram. I'm glad that you found me on yes, the gram. There you go. We're doing something right. So Aubrey is a singer, songwriter, and producer as well, right? Did yes, I get that, that right? That is right. Um, and I'm sure you got a lot more going on. Um, so give the listeners just a, like a snippet, like say, you know, a couple seconds, maybe a minute max of uh, kind of what what is bringing excitement to your life right now. Right now, what's bringing major excitement is that I'm releasing a song a month indefinitely. So that could be for the rest of the year. That could be for the next few months. It's a surprise to the listeners. It's going to be a surprise to me. We're working on that right now. And just creating visuals to match with that and just figuring out ways for the songs to really connect with the fans that I do have and also mm -hmm. grow that fan base. That's what is exciting me right, right now. Right, right. Yes. That's pretty cool. And we'll we'll hit on kind of that, that setup yeah. you know, versus like... Hey, let's release a, a CD and, you know, all 10 songs versus one. Of yes. Them. That's, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds, that's, that's a lot of excitement you got going on. It is a ton of excitement. Let's go ahead and jump into some music stuff. What yeah. inspired you to start writing at the age of six? And what does songwriting look like for a six-year-old? That's a really great question. That's one I haven't been asked yet. Um, I've just always been a fan of words and I always wrote little poems and I come from a musical family okay. so I think it was just the combination of those things being young and being you know my dad's a musician and being exposed to that I just it made sense to put poems to music so I wrote this kind of southern gospel-esque <laughs> that was like the first song I ever wrote mm -hmm. and it was called a flower of love and I still remember it to this day and no I'm not gonna sing it <laughs> And it was not a great song. It was not like a prodigy level masterpiece. But ever since I wrote it, I just kind of fell in love with the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. You know, like writing the song, figuring out, it's like a puzzle, like figuring out how to say what you want to say in a certain format. And I mean, I remember drawing the lyrics on this little, you know, those whiteboard they've got like a whiteboard yep. on one side and a chalkboard on the other yes. those easels mm -hmm. for kids i literally like to draw wrote, cartoons yeah i like wrote, wrote out this song and hey mom like i what do you think of this and then sang it for my dad and i think back then i lived next to my grandparents and had to have them over and listen to the song or whatever i mean my parents were like she wrote a song yeah at six huh <laughs> because again I come, I come from a really musical family, but I don't come from songwriters. Okay. Um, just incredible performers. And, right. But my mom has always been a poet and a wordsmith, we call yeah. her. So That's it was cool. inevitable. It was inevitable. Right. But yeah, I, I didn't take it super seriously. I wasn't like, this is what I want to do when I grow up when I was mm -hmm. six. Um, yeah, I just, what else were you into? Like. Barbie oh dolls gosh. or any of that stuff, or were you an outdoors person? Or I mean, I'm a, oh, I'm not an outdoors okay. person. <laughs> so you wouldn't I mean, go camping. In, I so. would camp if this was involved. Okay. This is great. Glamping, I yes. feel like that's the term. I would probably be into glamping. As I've grown older, I've come to appreciate the outdoors a lot more, mm -hmm. especially living in Nashville for the past almost six years. Okay. Um, but I was not an outdoorsy right. child. 
I'm a middle child. Me I'm too. very artistic. You are? I am, yeah. Love that. I'm very artistic. I'm very like, um, I always had my, just my own mm-hmm. things. Like I was just kind of do my own thing. I was very into theater and acting and okay. drawing and just all the things. Yeah. So I didn't really settle on anything in particular until I turned 14. And that okay. was when I was music. Let's do it. Cool. How did the environment and family begin to shape you in those earlier years? Obviously, you mentioned your your parents were did a lot of music. Um, yeah. How else did it begin to shape you to who you would eventually become? I mean, my family is a huge part of me as a person. Obviously, they made me, mm-hmm. but um, we're all really close. And I feel like there was always an open forum in my house growing up to ask my parents questions about things I didn't understand to come home from school and tell them everything about my day in agonizing detail. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents have just, and my sisters, one of three girls, have just always been a safe place for me to process things. And I feel like that's really affected the way that I write and um, the kind of music that I create. I really want people to feel heard and to feel understood mm-hmm. because I come from a background of feeling so heard and so understood. Yeah. And I realized that so many people, you know, that's such a blessing. It so is. many people don't have that. It's so interesting because as I hear that, I think to my three boys and I think about the differences there. Oh, you have three boys? Yeah, three boys. I love it. Yeah, they're 11, 9, and 4. Oh, my gosh. And, it's um, an amazing age stack. It is. It is. The, I wish the four would just stay right there because he's mm. he's starting to get a little bit more attitude, but he's still so cute. Like, um, he can still get away with it. Yeah, but I just think about even that. Like, oh my, you know, I, I was we were talking about the boys before we recorded. Mm-hmm. I can imagine going, "Hey, Bryce," being the oldest. Graham coming up to him, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this." You know, yeah, like that that wouldn't happen. You know, yeah. but it's 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 really interesting just to listen as I ask these questions and see. You know the closeness there, and then I reflect to my our setting. You know, as yeah. parents and how important it is, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to, <clears throat> I need to do this better. Okay, I need to do this better. So oh that's my really gosh, cool. No. That's cool. My parents are rock stars. They really are. That's awesome. Are. That's, I mean, that's great. We we can disagree on some now. What things, kind of music did amazing. your dad, um, or your dad and mom both play? Well, my mom sings with my dad occasionally. My dad is a worship leader. Okay. Um, and that's what he's done pretty much my whole life off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, I mean, I think he started out in a band with his family. That was mm. a Southern gospel band. Okay. So I come from like a lot of Southern gospel right. music, gotcha. which I always attribute to my affinity for background vocals, mm. um, in my music and harmonies. Okay. And yes. Wanting those vocal textures. So my dad started in his family band, and then, like, I think he went to another Southern Gospel group and then started getting into worship leading. So he's always done, like, Christian music. Mm-hmm. But his voice is just incredible. Mm. He has this incredible range. He could sing anything. Why did he never come to Nashville? Well, he did. Okay. Apparently, my parents didn't tell me this until, like, I think it was right after I moved to Nashville. But they were like, yeah, there was a time when we considered moving here mm-hmm. for your dad. My dad also buys and sells buses. Okay. So like tour buses, yeah. charter buses. So it made sense. Yeah, definitely. At the time for them, like, well, maybe we should move to Nashville. And that was really the heyday to 
I forget again when they were going to move, but it was during that time where everyone was using buses. Now so many people fly. Right. It's not the same industry anymore. But right. yeah, I thought that was so crazy. And I'm glad that they didn't move to Nashville. I'm, I am. Yeah. I'd like them to out. move now. But yeah, right. Yeah. I'd love to have them closer. But my mom would just sing with him occasionally. She's okay. not. She has a beautiful voice, mm-hmm. but she's like, I don't I don't want to be in the spotlight. Right. 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 <laughs> Um, all right, so what was Ivory up to in Denver, North Carolina during those wonderful teenage years? Oh, during those wonderful teenage years. You you alluded to 14 is when you kind of... Yeah, so I was obviously going to school. I was trying to figure out how to fit in <laughs> in school, how many people do. And I was always really into the arts, again, theater drawing Mm -hmm. like i wish i was into dance i wish i could say i was a dancer but i did not check that off Mm -hmm. so i was just trying to kind of find my place you know what i mean and stumbled across songwriting again i i really want to say a lot of that was inspired by like just listening to this music from my dad you know like my dad always has music playing in the car Mm -hmm. and so yeah, I just kind of started writing again. And I don't remember there being this like catalyst for it, but I had been writing for a little bit. And at my church at the time, I think we were, something was going on where our family was, oh, the advent wreath at Christmas. Remember when you light mm-hmm. the different candles yep. or whatever. And our family was supposed to light this candle of love. And they were like, hey, you, you guys should sing since you're all musical. My dad's like, hey, you should write us a song that we can all perform. So I was like, okay. And I just, it just shot out of me like 30 minutes. Wow. And I had this song. And I'm like, what do you think about this? And I'm playing it for him. And he just is weeping. Really? Like, my dad's a crier, but he's just like weeping profusely. And I'm like, is it bad? And he's just like, no, That's it's so wonderful. Cool. And you have to sing it. We can't sing this song. You have to do it. So in 30 minutes, you wrote the lyrics and the music. Out yeah. Yeah. Thing. And um, I'm I'm not even gonna say pianist, but okay. that's my main instrument. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "You have to play the song. We'll get our friend Carrie to play cello, and it'll just be you." And I'm like, "I don't, I don't think I can do that." I mean, 14, mm-hmm. you're you're very self conscious and vulnerable, and blah. but I I just was like, "Okay, I'll give it a go." And our church was a larger church, so we had three services. Okay. So I had to like go and perform this over and over and over. And I mean, it was not an amazing performance. Again, right. it was very awkward and whatever, but played this song and people were just, I grew up in that church, but I felt like for the first time people were seeing me as mm. someone other than just Marty and Sherry's daughter. Right. It was like, wow. It was like, she's different. Like yeah. what's, so people were coming up to me and telling me about, I loved this line in the song or that just completely moved me. And I just started to see that relationship between audience and artist. Mm -hmm. And I was immediately hooked. So I started writing a lot more songs, but they were still in that Christian vein. Yeah. It wasn't until I started listening to artists like Regina Spector and Coldplay and Arcade Fire and Imogen Heap that, I was like, hmm, I'm really interested in kind of like taking the limits off mm-hmm. lyrically and writing kind of like alt pop music. Right. 
and I didn't, you know, I didn't know any terms back then, but I just kind of started writing quirky, artsy things mm-hmm. naturally after that. And that, that was when too, I mean, from that moment singing in church that I was like, I think this is what yeah. I want to do. It's pretty cool how just one moment your dad encouraging you, hey, write us a song. And then it oh, happens yeah. and then you push past some fear, get up on stage and then mm-hmm. your life's changed forever, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, and that whole pushing back fear thing is mm-hmm. so important because I mean that it follows everybody but especially in the artist scene you find yourself and I still from time to time before I release a song have that fear of you know I'm not mm-hmm. even performing it in front of anyone I'm just releasing a track on a streaming service but I'm like will people what will people think about me after they hear this song like what will people will they like it will they not and it's just you got to push past right. that you right. just have to continually do that. So I feel like that was the first strength training exercise mm-hmm. in figuring out how to do that for And when me. you started venturing out to other music, were your parents pretty supportive of that? They were. They really were. I can't get over. I, I don't think I truly understood how supportive my parents mm-hmm. were until I moved out here and I started meeting other writers and artists and creatives who are still at odds with their parents over their career choices. And my parents are like, number. I mean, they drove into town just to see a show that I had here last month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty long drive. It's about seven hours. Right. But they're so supportive and yeah. always want to hear new songs and yeah, all the things. That's pretty cool. As your high school years ended, what were your plans and did they come to fruition? So I always... I feel like the story's a little confusing, but so when I was around that 14, 15 years old stage, that's when I found out about Belmont because I had a music teacher at our school who was a Belmont grad and he would play us songs that he had written and we were all like, that's amazing. So I'm in the back of my mind. I'm like, I do that too. Where did you go to school for that? And he mentioned Belmont. Mm -hmm. I'm like, great. That's where I'm going to go. So, I mean, I toured campus when I was young. Like I toured campus when I was... I think I was 15 at the time, maybe 16. So I wasn't even college age at all yet. I had the sweatshirt and the t-shirt and the water bottle and the license plate. Like I was going to Belmont and I had just started my application process as a junior, like, because I think I was trying to do early admission or something. Thankfully, I didn't even get halfway through it. Um, when I met Ed Cash, a producer here in town, um, amazing, amazing producer. I met him through my art teacher at school because they had done Young Life together. And that connection came because my art teacher knew I wanted to go to Belmont. And he was like, this guy is a huge producer, like Mm -hmm. Grammy Award winning. He does Christian music, which I know that's not what you're doing. But if anything, like maybe he can give you some tips about getting accepted to Belmont. Right. And I'm like, great. Well, then let's send him some music. So by that point, I was creating music and demoing it out on GarageBand and posting it online on like SoundCloud. Mm -hmm. So we sent him some links and sent him some music. And then he came back and was like, I would love to meet you. Mm. Can I meet you? And like flew into North Carolina, met me and my parents, played some songs for him. And then that started this like amazing kind of apprenticeship for me where I would drive out to Franklin and work with him for Mm. weeks at a time. And during that working process, again, I was like a junior when that started, we would talk about college and the future and things. And he would just be like, listen, 
I just wouldn't. Like, I can I can help get you connected. And a lot of people go to Belmont to find those connections. So and I that was something that I prayed really hard about because I had always Mm -hmm. been so excited about going to college. I love school. I didn't love high school, but I I love learning and the whole college experience. Mm -hmm. I know it's heavily romanticized, but I wanted that. And I loved Belmont. But in talking to even interns at the studio who had been to Belmont were mm-hmm. in Belmont were like, you know, Ed, you don't like, don't worry about it. So from that, I, I mean, I graduated with absolutely no plan except to move to Nashville. So that's what I did. Then you had kind of already been interning for a year or two, I guess. With <laughs> yeah. Ed, right? Yeah. I mean, I had been working with him. We were working on my first EP called volume one and we, I mean, that took us over a year. So I just felt like I was learning so much from so many areas. Mm-hmm. I had never written with anybody before. I had never been like in a professional studio. There were just so many aspects that were so new to me that I was in that sponge phase yeah. where I'm just, oh my gosh, overload. This is more than I could ever learn and you're being connected i'm assuming too as you're here right yeah Yeah. exactly i mean he's such a ed ed super connected but he's also this super gregarious guy who's like even if i don't know this person who's supposed to help you like i'm gonna figure out who needs to help us with this so yeah that's pretty so it was against it was against my plan originally but it was it was an exciting adventure to me so would you ever go back you to college? hope to never go back, right? Or to ever go. <laughs> to ever go to college. Um, that's actually been a question that I've asked myself a lot. I don't think I would ever go to college in the like, li- I'm going to live on campus and I'm going right. to like really be involved physically yes. there. But I have thought about maybe one day like going and studying English or writing right. or literature or something kind of of the written word right because i just feel like i love that so much and it does affect so much of what i do but yeah i i don't know yet Mm. i don't know yet right now absolutely not yeah (laughs) i don't blame you i uh i went i don't know why i guess because other people were going and i was never serious and i always regretted Mm. not being serious because i never loved what i did Mm. um and then i even looked at going back for engineering because i loved um cars I still do. And yeah. I, I, I wanted to design them. Um, but I didn't, I just wasn't serious in college to pass calculus <laughs> and get an engineering degree. Yeah. And then fast forward, I go and I'm like, all right, so maybe I can go and get my engineering degree and finally find something I like. And uh, it was like four years later, it would have taken and like hundred something thousand. I said, yeah, that's not happening. Oh so, my gosh. Uh, so then I decided to get in real estate and I took the class online. It took probably six months because yeah. I was still working and I was doing it online. And that was just a solid reminder that I would never go back to school because mm. I passed it the first time. Thank goodness. Um, oh, that's but, amazing. And now I love what I do. And yeah. now, you know, so it's it. I was listening to Dan Miller. Do you ever hear? Have you heard of him? Oh, yes. Yes. 48 Days of the Work You Love. But he has a really cool podcast recently he just put out and he interviewed his three kids. And Basically, you know, he was about finding the bent that, you know, they, as they were growing up, kind of what they leaned towards. Yeah. And kind of giving them the freedom in that. And to hear them talk about that experience was pretty cool. So 
and I often talk to entrepreneurs and just kind of go, yeah, I wonder what college will be like in the years to come because it's just so different in how, just like this, you know, somebody could go and pay thousands of dollars to get connected in Belmont, exactly. whereas you got connected and kind of might have skipped that, you know. Oh, not I'm, that there's not a lot of value in there because I was pretty impressed with what Gorley had talked about, kind of all the value he got out of it, even from the business sense. It was like, oh, my gosh, um, absolutely. Yeah. There are major benefits to both going to college and not going to college. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like there's an unhealthy pressure yes, on young agreed. people to decide exactly what they want to do and where they want to be 20 at that, years at, at 18. Right. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? I couldn't decide on one hairstyle. Right. Like I would, I, I know it, all. It, it is. It's wild. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, then, yeah, even like, say you're not that serious and then you divert to something yeah. else. Um, and yet if you would have, yeah, it's just a, it, I guess it's a tough place to be to it's make such so a tough. big decision, you know? Yeah. All right, so shout out to one of your favorite restaurants and a nonprofit. Okay, I'll tell you one of my favorite new restaurants here in town, Liberty Common. Okay. Have you been? I have not. <gasps> I mean, the food is wonderful. Granted, I've only been there for brunch, but okay. if you can nail a brunch, then... Where's it at? It is right across from Ascend. Okay. So it's really... By Crema? It's really close to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of close. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's like right across the street from Ascend, okay. like the opening. Of. Yes. But you really go to that restaurant for the aesthetic. And it's super new in town. So I feel like not a lot of people mm -hmm. know about it. But yeah. they definitely should because it is just gorgeous. And it feels very European. Okay. And you walk in there and it's like white walls and white floors and these beautiful blue booths. It's just, it is Instagram worthy, okay. not going to lie. But the food's amazing and they have the best French fries okay, I feel cool. like I've had in town. Nice. Um, and then as far as nonprofit, I absolutely love Project 615. Mm -hmm. So I, I just I'm actually, obsessed with them. <laughs> I'm putting out their podcast. You know what though? They're, they're actually not a nonprofit. Are they not? They're not. Oh my gosh. What are they then? They are a for-profit business, but they give a lot of their profits to like, like they hire some not, uh, homeless people to help out, they give a lot of their proceeds. Oh, but well, yeah, so like I'm I'm counting them as one because I'm obsessed with them and I also uh, follow them on Instagram uh, and I think all their posts are so great and like I I love keeping up with all they're doing because yes. you're right, like they do give to different things yep. at different times and he had a cool story too about just moving here. I interviewed Derek Evans. Oh, you did. So yeah, that'll be out next Monday. Yeah. I would love to meet him. I did their bus sessions. Where, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Maybe is that's that, where that what I saw that? you. I think it I, was. I loved it. And it was just yes. also everyone that was on site there that day, like, because we got to go into the store and then there were people driving the bus, of course, and then filming. Yeah. Everyone was so kind. Yeah. That's Nashville though, right? It is, but, but like yeah. that's not a given every Correct. place that you True. are. And sometimes when you're doing something that's like we're doing a live performance in a in a car in a moving vehicle. Right. It could be really stressful right. and there could be a lot of like tensions running high. Mm -hmm. It was delightful. Like I would go back and do it again and again and again. Yeah. So I'm sorry that they're not a nonprofit, but I know because we were as I was I'm interviewing obsessed with him, them. I think one of the questions I had asked and I said something and he's like, Well no, he says actually we're not a nonprofit. I was like 
really? I was like, I should have known that, right? And he's like, well, no, he says people think that, you know, because they do give a lot, which is really cool. They're just so, so great. And I love what they're doing mm-hmm. for Nashville, too, because you see so many people wearing those. Yeah. Spread love. It's the Nashville way. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah, I have a major crush on them. <laughs> <laughs> I will let Derek know that. Please do. Um, please do. All right. So now let's turn up the volume on some music talk now. Yes. Why did you choose the genre of music you are currently in? And you probably said some of the stuff. So that's, you know, I kind of lay out some questions to kind of keep it going. But then sometimes no, you that's might fine. some. So. That's a great yeah. question. All right. They're um, all great questions, right? They're Sometimes all great when everybody questions. says, that's a good question, I'm like, but is it really or does everybody just say that? Nope, nope. I say <laughs> that because I like I like hearing questions that I haven't heard before. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. And I don't think I've ever gotten that one about why pop. I think it's a, there are two parts. The first part being that's kind of what I naturally ended up writing because I think that was a lot of what I was listening to mm-hmm. when I started writing. And also, second part, I feel like pop is a genre that is very inclusive. You can write something in like an 80s style and put a certain production sheen on it and then it's pop. But then you've got someone else who's doing something really minimalist and spoken word in there and all this. It's just so diverse right? that I felt like it gave me the freedom to write and produce whatever I wanted and whatever style I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's just, it's an kind of an, it's becoming an all encompassing genre. Mm-hmm. There's so many country acts that I'm right. like, are you really country? I feel like this is pop, but they can totally be. But country. then, you know, that's, that was probably Gorley injecting some of his. And as he said, he says a lot of the people that he grew up with were listening to that same type of music, which yeah. is naturally going to, you know, yeah. bring itself into country or whatever they're writing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah that's kind of how i got there mm-hmm. and i i just love pop music so um all right so what other genres inspire you mm. in your writing or an even artist Ooh, okay love that peter gabriel is huge i said that's so odd gabriel gabriel love him so much love his production love his lyrics like he's just a mastermind and I always listen to him when I'm feeling uninspired because I find new things every time I listen to mm-hmm. his music and of course Peter Gabriel like the Genesis crew love them um, Annie Lennox love her and then obviously the artist that I grew up listening to and who inspired me in the beginning to start writing kind of different sounding mm-hmm. music Coldplay honestly I've always loved them will probably always love them Imogen Heap, um, even fun, quirky British artists like Kate Nash. Mm-hmm. Uh, Regina Spector was a huge influence for me. And then now as I'm getting older, you know, 24, so old. Yes. Um, I don't know why I had never heard of um, Tori Amos before. Like I'd heard mm-hmm. her name, but I hadn't listened to her music. And when I was in London at the end of 2017 recording, I... I think it was Liam, the producer I was working with. Yeah. He was like referencing a video or a song and pulled up Cornflake Girl, which is, you know, Tori's huge song. And I'm like, who is this singing? I'm mm-hmm. obsessed and I don't understand what this song means, but I want to know more. Cornflake Girl, yeah. Yeah. And I got hooked on that song. So I've been listening to a lot of her lately. Okay. Elton John, like all those great pianists, but also stellar songwriters. 
hats off to Bernie Taupin, of course. And then I just watched the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. movie and then got back into Queen. So I'm really influenced by those more classic dated Mm-hmm. Artists, I say dated as an older, not dated as an out of style. Right. Because I think that oh, they're yeah, timeless. Oh, yeah, it's always there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm listening to songs, again, like Tori, like listening to her music, and I'm like, yes. Like, I feel that now. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think the album Under the Glorious Pink or something was released in the 90s, so probably when I was born. It's just cool. I feel a connection right. to older artists, for sure. Which is neat, too, even at your your old age mm-hmm. you know kind of wanting to connect and almost keep that that alive a bit in your music you know like bringing exactly. that element that timelessness yeah that's what i want mm-hmm. in my music like my greatest triumph would be if people can listen to my songs mm-hmm. 20 years from now yeah and young people can feel like that's relevant to them right that's what i would hope yeah. and again that's also a production thing and that's something that i'm learning a lot more right. of but from a songwriting standpoint like i really want Are songs you, to well yeah and you write with other people as well yes I yes it. i do um have you ever heard of uh billy eilish billy eilish eilish i said right yes because i thought it was eyelash at first okay. and i was like ooh. That's a cool name. <laughs> like, no, it's Eilish, which is just as cool. Beautiful voice in it. Stunning I don't know. Voice. Again, I was, I don't know where I, I saw her, but I was listening to Lecrae on uh, yeah. podcast or on uh, Pan- Pandora. And she came off, came across, which that's kind of odd mixture. In a Lecrae mix? Yeah. That's um, amazing. But I had, I saw somewhere and I listened to some of her videos, which they're, they're interesting videos. Mm-hmm. But God, the voice is beautiful oh yeah i was curious if you heard her oh yes i have i'm actually just now listening to that album that she just released so i don't have any concrete thoughts yet yes but she's definitely beyond talented it's funny because as i'm listening to you i think you know what i I love music and i and i probably heavier on music than lyrics um that's why i could listen to some of the stuff i did growing up that now i would be like ah okay i love it we can listen to matt carney with the boys in the car but the other stuff i'm like no, XM got to turn it off. Yet. Oh my gosh! Um, but you know, it does just think. Uh, you know, there's a. It would be interesting to just find more value in the lyrics than sometimes I do. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh! Lyrics sense. are so important to me. I don't, but they're not important to me in the sense that I sit there and overanalyze them. Right. It's the importance of. I there's such a value to what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. That I hope that my, you know, listeners pick up on. But and it's interesting too, though, because sometimes I'm listening to music, and I even as much as I try to hear it, Mm -hmm. I can't. I hear the music overshadows the. Is that the right word? The lyrics. So yeah, some of it. That's a real thing. Because I listened to a lot of alternative stuff growing up, and I still love it because I love the music. and of course, you get the chorus, but a lot of times I'm like, oh, I need to YouTube and see actually yeah. the lyrics. Whereas that's where I like like someone like Matt Carney, who's got a little bit of everything, and you can clearly very hear audible. The story. Yeah, you know. Yes, it gets frustrating sometimes too when you're in a live setting and you're you're like <laughs> you're at their their mercy, right? I mean, it's like an audio thing, and it's it's not even the sound not the sound guy's fault mm-hmm. it's just sometimes you're in these venues right. where it is like singing into a tin can and you're trying to grow an audience and you're trying to like yeah you know build a fan base 
And no one, you just sound like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Right. And you can like, I. Can, can you, can you hear that you sound like that when you're singing? I can, I can never be sure. I mean, I'm not sure. saying you're like that, but I'm saying can people... Oh, no, 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 no. You can never be sure because I, okay. I wear in-ear monitors. Right. So I'm hearing everything pretty clearly, although okay. there's almost always static because we use wireless packs. Gotcha. So I kind of sound like I'm like Because, you know, I've never actually used any of those things, so I don't even know how they sound. They're not life. fun to use. I'm not going to lie. I'm yeah. very grateful for them, but sometimes they can be a pain. But, yeah, I never know until after the fact. But I'm a big eye contact person. Okay. Like, when I'm performing, like, I want to look at everybody right. in the eyes. Which I've actually stopped doing more recently because I, like, got unnerved at this one show that I did where, like, you're I'm looking at these people and it was the most blank oh. stares looking back at me like... <laughs> Why are we here? Who is right, this girl? Right. And I just was like, you need to stop looking at right. these people. Lately. <laughs> so no, I didn't hear how I sounded, but I could surmise how I sounded based on people's oh, facial too. expressions. Can you actually see them though with the lights in your eyes too? Yes. I guess it depends. Okay. Yeah, well, it does depend on the venue, of course. Right, but like, right. I there was some sort of like light thing display going on on the stage, so it cast a little bit of a glow, and I could just see some you people in the like... front. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I see you. Stop it. I need to like this. <laughs> Start dancing. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, gosh. All righty. So, um, okay. So why did you choose to move to Nashville specifically versus some other well-known music? And as I asked that, I'm pretty much know the answer. But anything you want to add to it? Because obviously it was a connection. No. I mean, I'll kind of twist the question okay. and say why I'm staying in Nashville for right go. now, which is honestly... I feel like this city is so special. Every, there's no place is ever going to be perfect. And there are definitely times where I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a restless mm -hmm. creative sometimes where I'm like, should I move? Should I like just start over somewhere different? Like things can get really old for me really fast. But Nashville just has this just lovely, honest streak about it. I feel like you can be honest with people here. I feel like you can have honest conversations mm -hmm. like this, honest co-writes, and make a career based on whether people like your music or not. It's not so much about like, well, I don't right. dig the aesthetic, right. and this is not relevant. And what People are coming to shows because they like your songs. Um, it's such a song town, and that's really a... That level of value for that, I haven't found that anywhere else. Oh, <laughs> we had somebody stop by and say hi. I love it. Yeah, well, and I mean, you almost have to, you have to be that good really to set yourself apart too, because connections can only go so far. There's no other town like this one, and you know, I feel like the other, it's like L.A. and New York are the other U.S. cities. I'm not going to lie to you. I would love to go to London, stay there for a couple mm -hmm. months and just You did go to London for soak a couple months, up. didn't you? No, it was just for, I guess it rounded up to be a month. Okay. But it was two different trips. Okay. And that was just strictly to record music that was already written. So I would love to go over there and write, work with producers, just learn, 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 yeah. and play shows. But with LA and New York, they're both completely different Um vibes. Mm -hmm. I know that's such an overused word, but it really is different mm -hmm. atmospheres. And Nashville to me, and I'm biased because I've lived here long, longer than in, I haven't lived in any of those other cities, but mm -hmm. I've been there for work. It just feels like it's easier to be mm -hmm. more authentic. Yep. And I have had conversations with friends that 
live out in LA and they're just like, people really care about music here. You know, where, where in LA it's such an entertainment town okay, right. across the board. And a lot of that seeps into the music industry where it's like, you gotta be the, you gotta have the entire package right. and here in Nashville. It's like, i I'm just here for the music. Right. And you can figure out who you are and what you want to look like and how you want to present yourself. But like, I'm coming to your shows for songs. Right. Yeah. So it's been, I, that's why I've stayed. Yeah. Thus far. Good reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Except the traffic. Oh gosh. It's getting a little worse. Although. But I'm not going to move to LA anytime soon. I I still hear whenever, you know, people are like, oh, but y'all don't have it bad. And really sometimes I think it, it's bad, but really, mm-hmm. I'm used to like never having to stop and slow down. So now that we have to, and all these interchanges, it's like, oh my god, it's terrible! What's happening? All right. So, um, what does a week look like for you? Um, and do you have structure to your day, or do you keep it pretty flexible and just kind of whatever comes? Yeah, I mean, it honestly depends on the month and like what we've got going on if there are shows and things there's always prep work behind that but right now in my life I mean a week looks like probably really mundane to most people I've been working a lot from home so I kind of just get up go on my little morning walk eat breakfast sit at my computer and plan Mm. so right now um my sister slash manager and I Mm -hmm. are planning out the releases for you know, the coming months. And so we like to have, you know, a visual element to that. So photography, um, and then a video element, which fits into that visual, but a video element, mm-hmm. video for the song. And then of course, like I'm over here trying to design album art. I'm not a graphic designer. So it's a lot of teaching ourselves how to put these, yeah, <laughs> put these branding elements together. So that can be a little mundane and it's not Mm -hmm. super cool and glamorous, but that's kind of what we've been focusing every day on. And then I'll have an occasional co-write or two and get out of the house. I have a studio space um, around here, actually. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I'll just go there and be like, let me just try to write something or work on something and just have a different headspace. Yeah. So talk more about how you're releasing, you know, a song each month and how it's different from the traditional, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's very different for me because, I mean, I've released a, well, Committed was part of an EP last year um, of two other songs, I think. So that was three songs, but I've released like one project per year for the past two years. And then there was a gap between 2014 and I think 2017 when I released Shake My Head, which was an it was like an artist development time and figuring Mm -hmm. out what music we wanted to release what producers blah 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 right so it's been a huge shift for me because i'm releasing more music consistently Mm -hmm. which is super exciting but also really daunting because we're trying to figure out okay which which ones do we want to pick right i have a pretty large catalog because i've lived here a long time and i write a lot i write a lot by myself so that's kind of been bit of a culture shock for me, mm-hmm. but I'm loving it. I'm trying to acclimate to getting everything prepped for mm-hmm. that quick of a release. But I think that kind of in the terms of what that format means in contrast to like the quote unquote old school releasing records or albums, mm-hmm. 
an album is completely the goal for me still. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, I think right now just releasing a single consistently, A, it's more helpful to do that when you're on a streaming service. Like a lot of people say, hey, if you're on a Spotify or whatever, consistently release music to help boost your numbers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just like, why not? Consistency with everything, right? Instagram post or whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone wants more, 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 Mm -hmm. now, 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 or then, honestly. So there's that kind of analytical reason behind it. But I think, too, as part of me is like, I don't want to say I'm a baby artist because I feel like I've been doing this a long time, but I'm still a baby artist. It allows me more freedom to kind of test the waters and see what people are responding to Mm -hmm. instead of putting out a whole album and putting a lot of money and time and effort into it and just kind of taking a chance on it when there's not really the proper platform to receive that audience to receive that. So I think singles actually give me a bit more freedom and the ability to sit back Mm -hmm. and kind of measure. Right. Because I mean, Boy Loves Me, for example, it's kind of like a ballad-esque song that we released in February. I've always loved that song and I've connected with it and wrote it it here in Nashville in my little studio. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of sentimental value to it, but I just was very unsure about releasing it because ballads always scare me. I, I feel like people get really bored really easily. Okay. So I was nervous about it. Well, the song performed so well on Spotify Mm -hmm. and I've got like people DMing me and telling me how much they love this song. So then that was like, Oh, well maybe it's okay to release a few more ballads. Maybe people are enjoying this too. Mm -hmm. So now like in the release lineup, we're talking about, okay, let's have like a ballad or two in there. So what is a ballad? What's the definition of a ballad? My definition is just a slower, obviously a slower tempo song with a more emotive meaning behind it very intentional lyrics that are focused on a vocal Mm -hmm. alone it's not really so much about the production it's more about the vocal and the keys or guitar or whatever okay it's kind of a ballad to me in my mind yeah which scares me because i'm my brain is i i tend to when i'm in production mode overload like all of the sounds all of the textures all of the background vocals but not everybody thinks the way that I think. Right. right. So again, it's just which I guess that single release helps. And doing that that style too probably gives uh, an artist more freedom to be more involved in their stuff. Yeah. Versus you know having to like push push, and then you have somebody else that does kind of a lot more of it or not. Does that make sense? No, that completely makes okay. sense. It doesn't make sense. No, it does make sense. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It completely doesn't make sense, yes. Andrew. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, because uh, yeah, versus because you probably have your hands more in doing all you're doing with your music, right? Versus yeah, a big production company or something, right? Oh no, absolutely. See, I can't always ask super educational questions pertaining to music because I'm not in the space. You I know? can't always I give like educational yeah. answers. So I'm glad that logically, we've got grace. <laughs> logically, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, all right. So how hard have you worked in the music scene to get where you are today? You know, I think I've worked. I think I don't even think about it in like how hard have I worked? It feels like how badly do I want how badly do I want this to work? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense and doesn't sound too desperate. I think I've worked really hard. I I mean, I even the whole not going to college 
even though I had complete peace about that decision and mm-hmm. I don't regret that decision at all, there was still a large part of me that was like, ugh, I'm kind of sad that I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And then dedicating myself to a career so early on, right? you know, it separated me from certain friendships that I had because my friends were going to college. My friends were deep in academic mode and I'm over here trying to figure out how to pay taxes for the first time. And, you know, all of those different experiences that I I felt like there was a lot of shifting Mm -hmm. in my life. So I kind of had to, because of the career I chose, I kind of had to work hard to grow up quickly, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. And then... I feel like now I'm working harder than I've ever worked, which is great. Mm -hmm. But also some days I can be like, I just want a break. Right. I just want something to like pop or happen. And I can sit back for like five minutes Mm -hmm. and breathe and feel confident about something. Right. Um, But I think, too, at the end of the day, like there are so many I'm surrounded by so many of my friends who are hard workers and they don't complain about it. Mm-hmm. That I'm, they I've been more inspired in the past couple months than I've ever been in this season of working harder than I've ever been to continue doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. because of the people that I've surrounded myself with right. and realizing right. that like I think the hard thing about work is you know when when we grow up and we're put through school and we do we take you know math mm-hmm. you learn that two plus two equals four and if you do this certain order of operations, you're going to come out with this answer. Um, It's that if then, Mm -hmm. I think that's called like soliloquy or something. No idea. Anyway. That's a weird word. Yeah, It is. It is. But life's not like that. Right. And just because you put in a bunch of hard work doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you're going to be successful, especially in this industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I definitely think that I've worked really hard, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I'm not under the impression that that means that I deserve anything or mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like, I love this so much right. that I will continue working hard for a while. Yeah. Even if I don't get the results that I hope. Right. You know? Yeah. Because you're doing sense. something you're passionate about. Exactly. And love and joy. Yeah. Which is kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking if all those kind of line up, it's almost inevitable that there's going to be success with it, you know? Plus, I you have so. yourself surrounded around people that make you step up your game you know exactly Um, which is so important yeah yeah push past those fears yes bring it back Um, around all right so what's something unique about yourself tell me something that you've never ever told it no you don't have to go i know i was like oh gosh (laughs) well it's bad when you're a blabbermouth like me i feel like i've told everyone everything all the time they're like tell us a secret skill i'm like there's nothing secret about me I don't know. I'm probably not. It's probably not like unique or anything, but I think I'm like definitely an old soul at heart. And so I can be a grandma about a lot of things. And I am not that person. I tried probably when like a few years ago, I was actually trying a little harder mm-hmm. to be like, oh man, like I'm going to go out and I'm going to see all the shows and I'm going to like, at, like, I, I don't know of any clubs in Nashville. Right. I'm like going to go and hang out with all the young people and do right. the thing. And I just can't do it. There is something inside of me that like just does not connect with like nightlife and, right. you know, and so I'm in my pajamas most nights at like eight. You I'm got not newspaper and slippers. Oh my gosh. And... I do have slippers. I'm sadly not subscribed to any newspaper, but 
I do love to read and mm-hmm. um, I actually like creative writing. So I've like tried to start, I'm not writing a book, but okay. you know, doing a little few writing right. prompts and things. And I mean, I bought a math book from McKay's and do math problems sometimes. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> I just, so I'm just like a little, I'm a little, I've always been an old soul. And I don't right. know if that's super unique, but yeah. it, it definitely affects my well uh, my yeah and again you know i think that says a little bit about your music and stuff too yeah you know, and of course i always cool go element. i always go into the british accent every yeah. time that i do podcasts so i feel like it's not as unique anymore but i do do it from time to time so nice. and i good. did just say do do so <laughs> in a microphone <clears throat> um <laughs> all right so what is one of your biggest struggles you have had to work through personally and professionally and how did you come out a stronger person really hitting home here andrews take no prisoners um one of my biggest struggles i think i'm just gonna blanket statement and say the biggest struggle is just determination and not giving up Mm -hmm. that's been like an endless because sometimes i'm just like oh like do i want to keep doing this do i want to not because i don't love it but if i'm not getting like a certain result that I wanted or things aren't panning out or it feels like people aren't liking the music or coming to shows. You know, I've played shows to four people before. They were strangers, which is great. Were they watching you, right? Looking right at your eyes? There were were some soul-sucking stares happening. But afterwards, you know, got to chat with them. They were very sweet. But, you know, I think that's been the hardest struggle is just um, keeping on, keeping on. Mm -hmm. Especially when, you know, you're like, this is the only life that I have. Mm-hmm. Am I using my time well if I feel like I'm spinning my tires? Because there are seasons where you're like, am I on a freaking treadmill? Yep. Because you're working so hard and you're not getting anywhere. And yeah. so that's been the biggest struggle. And I think, again, just speaking to the people that I've surrounded myself have helped me overcome that. Mm-hmm. And I think just, and my parents have always, you know, raised me to believe that, you know, my value doesn't come from what I do. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not over here like this machine being judged on everyday performance. That's not me. And if I have a terrible show, I have a terrible show. But I still have people around me who love me for who I am. Mm -hmm. And that is of such value that I'm just like, why wouldn't I keep doing this job? I love it. And when I play shows and I feel like people are connecting and I can talk to people afterwards, which I love doing, Mm -hmm. I will lose my voice talking to people after shows because I just I love that interaction. Um, that that's what keeps me going yeah. too. It's just being like, I'm doing something right. People are responding and people are connecting on mm-hmm. a deeper level with this music. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been in a well. I think it, it probably ties to the boredom, right? Yeah. Having that mentality that you get bored easy because I've I've realized that I do as well, and uh, and that's why, like I said, doing this brings a different element. Even though it's a great way yeah. to meet new people. But it's also a great way to share their message and, absolutely, you know, from a bigger picture. But it also, you know, if I just did real estate, like I would get bored with it, you know. Um, but then I think, yeah, I've, I've kind of been in a state lately of just kind of reflecting and, yeah, just having that feeling of regardless of how diverse your day could look, you could still feel like you're on a treadmill. And then you yeah. go, what's the purpose of all this, you know? And so, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, finding that balance of like, wanting to make sure that you're pushing yourself to not be content and that knowing that, all right, God's got more in store for me. What does that look like? Um, You know, 
versus, you know, staying in that space of going, but I do have to grind. Yes. You know, it takes a little bit of both, you know. Yes. Um, and then not getting caught up in, as somebody, had, I saw somebody on a podcast, they're like, yeah, my family doesn't even listen. And, like, I don't <gasps> look at the numbers much. Yeah. Um, because, really, this, to me, is more about the relationship. Part. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just the balance, you know. Absolutely. And all that of not getting caught up in what do people think? Am I working too hard? And, you know. Exactly. Depending on the mind, how do you shut it off? Yeah. Right. Because those things are always going to change. <clears throat> the performance yeah. levels are always going to change. The numbers are always going to change. So how do you hope you are making an impact on others around you? Mm. Again, I feel like I touched on it earlier, but I, I do have such a hope that people listen to my music and get to know more about me and feel less alone and mm -hmm. feel like they're not alone in whatever they may be feeling or experiencing. Cause I think that was one of the things that when I first got into writing, have you done the Enneagram? I have not, but everybody talking about it. Everybody yes. talks about it in this town. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not into that. And I'm a four apparently, okay. Okay. which makes sense as to why I would not want to take the Enneagram. Cause right. I'm like, I don't want to be defined by a number and I don't want to judge right, people right, right. based on a number. That but, is true. Yeah. But it's like, I do often feel intrinsically like alienated and like, I don't fit in or people don't understand me. I was definitely the kid that told my mother every five minutes, like, you just don't understand. Mm -hmm. That was me. And I want people to listen to the music and go, somebody gets it. Like me too. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. And you know, I have people reach out on social media or whatever and be like, can we be best friends? Because you wrote this song and I felt like I was writing it. That is the biggest reward to me. Just hearing people saying, I feel like I wrote this song mm -hmm. or I feel like you were there or you read my diary or whatever. That's mm -hmm. such a high, but also just such a hope for me that people right. get that. It's that right. whole. So I hope that people connect. And then also I, I always hope that people hear the music and are inspired to think more deeply about themselves and about mm -hmm. their life and about mm -hmm. the big picture because life is just so much more than the tangible. Mm -hmm. And um, I do believe that we're all part of a bigger, greater picture, but it's just so hard to see that when we're, you know, inundated right. with the kinds of things that we are, mm -hmm. you know, constantly being exposed to now, social media and right. even like what we were talking about just earlier, just that whole being judged on how hard you're working, how much you're working, mm -hmm. how well that work is doing. What is success? Yeah, we can just put our blinders on. And so I really hope people listen to the music and those blinders are, they don't have to come off all the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't think anything I'm doing is magic. But it's right. just kind of widening the scope right. of vision for people. And at the end of the day, listening and feeling better about themselves. Because I think a lot of the times we listen to music as a therapeutic mm -hmm. thing. And... A lot of times I listen to music because I'm feeling stuck or lost or there's kind of like a negative something and I need music to help with mm -hmm. that. And so I hope that people listen to my songs and they feel better about themselves yeah. and where they're at. So that's kind of... Well, that would make a big impact, which it's cool making an impact and people reaching out to you and stuff. So, you know, people mm -hmm. are hearing it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually driving in a 4Runner and even my wife might call me and I'm like five minutes from the house. I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm not answering. I want to listen, finish listening to the song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, oh it sucks you in. It and it's such a medium to speak to oh, people yeah. because it just like, for some reason it 
breaks down those walls that we set up. If I were to talk to you about something I was going through or something, mm-hmm. I feel like I would filter things for you or right. you would immediately oh, yeah. start like putting up walls or there, there are just more inhibitions mm-hmm. when we're having a verbal conversation. Yeah. But if I, if I played you a song about like a traumatic experience or something, it would just translate completely different right. and you would, people always mirror themselves in songs. Mm-hmm. I don't like every time you listen to a song, you're trying to find a little piece of yourself in it. I think. Well, I, th- I thought it was interesting. I went and saw um, Ashley. Uh, it was Morgan Evans. He he was playing at City Winery. And then oh, okay. Ashley Gorley, Chris DiStefano. Oh, I love right. Chris yeah. so much. And yes. I, I saw that. And, uh, <laughs> and there was two other uh, songwriters. And, you know, I'm not always listening to country that much. Sure. Um, but listening to them tell the stories behind the songs that they sung, it's just like it brings so much more to... And I think that probably goes back to me not always listening to the lyrics. So I don't, I'm not thinking about the, the depth of that song. Sure. Now, again, I've, I've listened to Matt Carney enough that like I, yeah. even all of his albums have kind of a theme. Um, but hearing that, I'm like, you know what? That makes me want to go listen to a lot more country because you realize there's so much more stories behind each song. It's the case. storytelling genre. Yeah. 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 I actually didn't. I was never into country until I moved here and I started writing with Chris Stefano and mm-hmm. Shane McAnally and Laurie McKenna and Jimmy Robbins and getting to know them and then seeing how they crafted these songs. Right. I was just like, I, think right. I like this. And now when, you know, a song charts and I see like Shane's on it or Jimmy's on it or something, then I'm automatically like, well, I love it. Right. Right. Because <laughs> I love them and I just, I trust their craftsmanship so much. But yeah. All right, so if you could sit down um, with your younger self. Yes. Oh, gosh. Um, what is some wisdom you would impart? Or, and, and, and even mm. thinking that in light of, you know, say, the music scene. And okay, people. so I couldn't give any fashion tips. Because well, you can give I anything definitely you want. would have. <laughs> okay. Um, I was told a lot, kind of the theme of my life um, was to be patient. And I always got really agitated when people told me that because I saw it as like, you don't believe in me or my abilities or whatever mm. people. Cause that was often like, I just want to go and be in the music industry. I just want to write songs and tour. I just want to do this. And everyone was like, be patient. Things take time. Be patient. Things take time. Things take time. Things take time. And I always saw that as an insult, I think in my heart of hearts. And I think I would tell my younger self like, enjoy the journey Mm -hmm. as annoying as i i kind of hate that i even just said that into a microphone we can edit that out but but honestly savor the time that you have as you're building your life and see the value of other people because i think i just get i can get so wrapped up in my dreams i'm a huge dreamer Mm -hmm. i can get so wrapped up in tunnel vision on making that dream a reality Mm -hmm. that I can miss the value of where I am and the people that I know and the people that are actually speaking into my life and there to support. So I think I definitely tell myself to don't hate me for saying be patient. Don't hate you when people say be patient. Enjoy the journey. Value people. And Um, I was just talking about this the other day. I would definitely tell myself, don't limit yourself based on your dreams. 
which sounds kind of weird because dreams are supposed to be limitless and boundless. But when I was just getting started and I was, you know, 19, 20, I just would say no to a lot of opportunities that didn't have anything Mm. to do with music. Like any small things from like visiting my friend in Florida to like going and hanging out with friends on a certain night because I'm like, oh, well, I could get booked for a co-write or I could do this. And there were just a lot of Mm -hmm. I could, I could, I could, I won't, I won't, I won't. Or even like, "Ah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to worry about. um, I remember I I didn't have any concern about even like going out to California because I was like, oh, I'll I'll go there one day for work. And I just put so much weight on this job and where it was going to take me that I missed out. I don't have any regrets, but mm-hmm. I definitely missed out on some experiences. So this year I was like, I'm right. like, I would rather schedule like book tickets to go see my friend in Florida than and then have to like move that around. If I got picked up on a tour or had to go do something, then just say, I'm so sorry. I'm going to wait till my calendar's clear. Cause my calendar's mm-hmm. never going to be clear. Yeah. Not cause I'm, the right. big cheese, right. but you know what I mean, because I'm, I'm in that hustle period. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, fill it up. So that's definitely something that I would tell myself, just like, give yourself the freedom right. to try new things and not have everything be contingent upon this job that hasn't fully materialized yet. Mm-hmm. And this dream that isn't completely realized that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I like book tickets. I'm going to see my friend in Florida awesome. this month. And I'm Makes so you want to start dancing, right? I know. I booked tickets to go to see a live show to see one of my favorite artists, Imogen Heap. Like, I'm like, I'm, I would well, rather reschedule yeah, than it's interesting never I was, do it. It was like the first thing you said about being patient. I thought, you know, really what they're communicating is don't have expectations. It's almost like you, I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. like if you don't have them, then you're not let down. You just keep moving forward, right? And hopes are not the same as expectations. Right. Well, then I think too, with it's good to have boundaries, but you, yeah. you got to have flexibility and freedom in there. You know, it's you so can't true. Say, it's like, you can't say yes to everything, but you also can't say no to everything because you never know that one conversation. You go to Florida, maybe you meet somebody else that's like, oh, I like it. And then next thing you know, it's changed. You really don't know. Yep. No, that's so true. And then I think the dreams too, yeah. it's like good to have those, but but again, it's that expectation that you just, it's that, I guess everything's kind of a balance, which mm-hmm. is again, another cliche, mm-hmm. but it really is, you know, it's like, yeah. if you get too focused on that and then you got this big opportunity over here, it's like, man, you could really make an impact over there. So seriously. Yeah. And then my one last piece of wisdom, I yes. would definitely say, don't shave the side of your head. Okay. I did that once. It was total mistake and it was like absolute here? hell to grow back really oh yeah and i had really short hair anyway it was like a pixie like okay. a really close like peter pan yeah and i'm like i'm just gonna be cool and I'm gonna right be against it. the grain i went to a really tiny like christian college prep <gasps> school right. so i was you know really breaking the mold and i shaved part of my head and it looks beautiful on a lot of people but right. not on me that's fun. well you know there's a lot of guys <laughs> that are doing the shaving like over here i think you know and i'm like the paintbrush yeah, too it. where they shave the both sides and then it's long on top yes i don't know why that exists like, see i get it just who do i need short. to talk to about eliminating well, that you know in, in my in high school it, we had the v <gasps> you would have a line here uh, and then it would go to a v uh, in the back and then, uh, and then some people would have little little lines here vanilla ice did that oh you know? yeah <laughs> 
Maybe that's what I was for. Vanilla Ice, the V. Oh, I'm sure. I guess. All right. So from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? I'm going to cry. I love that verse. Um, the things that I said before, mm-hmm. I mean, about having an impact on people and inspiring people to think deeper and more. And as a believer, as a Christian, I hope that when I'm gone or my career's over, that people see something bigger in me, mm-hmm. that they're not looking at me and going, you know, there are definitely days where I'd like for people to think that I'm a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I hope that people are like, there was something about mm-hmm. Ivory that I can't put a finger on and I need to know more. That's what I want. Like this divine intrigue that points people not directly at like, oh, it had to have been her abilities or whatever. But it's like, there's this other element that I'm hungry to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I hope I love for. That. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Which could, that that just in itself could be a big driving force to keep pushing ahead, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Faith is something that I I would not be here on this earth, and I would not be here in this job, and I would not be here in this camper mm-hmm. without it. Honestly, right. it's right. been the only thing that I can consistently mm-hmm. fall back on, and it's it catches me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So now we're gonna do the National Real Estate Minute or a few. Uh, how long have you lived in Nashville? I've lived here for about six years. Okay. Uh, what made you choose Nashville? I mean, honestly, I knew Ed Cash, producer here, and that was enough for me to move here. And you I always just worked wanted, here a which little is, bit. Which is interesting because you wanted to go. Oh, I wanted to, Belmont, to go to Belmont for sure. But so I did. fell in love with the city anyway. Yeah. But if I had met someone out of Los Angeles and they were like, you should move here, I probably would have done that. Okay. So I think having that connection right. and having at least one in was what really drew me here. So what community did you land in and why that location? Hmm. I, I've been bebopping around for, <laughs> for the past couple years. Um, and I, I live a little south of downtown. I'm not like in downtown. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely the goal, though. There was no rhyme or reason. It was just kind of like, hey, there's a space available here. And my sister and I lived together. Okay. And us working together, like, it was just more kind of lended itself to be a great area for us to live and then, like, have grocery shopping near to mm-hmm. us, have those kind of things that we would need as we're about to travel. And speaking of the place, what space, what place would you, what place is it where what you're place? at? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, which, you know, again, that's south of yes. here. Which is a great location. It's so great. Right, and it really it's also is. closer to the airport, which was something yeah. that we were like, that's going to be something that is going to come in handy. you got a yard. And... It's nice, too, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of young mm-hmm. professionals live in that area, yep. too, because it is very affordable. Mm-hmm. So it's been nice living there and feeling really close to our friends and also feeling close to essentials. Yeah. Like groceries and even walmart right. and things in that area that you're like great i can pick up this stuff and literally go to the airport and you can have cold springs or whatever you want to they actually it's so you like burgers? yes i love okay burgers. so um ground restaurant have you heard of it no it's um off of Crothers parkway i'm it's, typing it into my phone it is excellent um i actually tried it i met a friend last week and he's like hey let's eat here i said okay we ate it and it was like man Done. and then i followed a lender i work with 
And uh, I was like, yeah, we'll go wherever. He ends up going there. It's oh like, my gosh. and it's it's really good. Yeah. It so, is in my notes. All right. This check, year, I'm like, I want to try out. out all the new food stuff. Like I'm hungry right now. Oh my gosh. All right. So tell me a great great memory that you often share about Nashville. Mm. When I had first moved here, I had the honor of singing on Need to Breathe's record, which I think was Rivers in the Wasteland, and they had a song called Brother, and Ed was producing it, again, that producer connection, Mm -hmm. and he was like, we need some BGVs, would you want to sing this part? And so I ended up singing this very, like, when the song starts off, it's just me singing in the beginning. I'll have to go back and listen. Yeah, to it. it's crazy. It's wild. And um, and then I do like some choral parts where I'm sounding like a gospel choir. And it was such a fun song to work on. But I never met them in the process. Okay. It, the track was done and I was just like, I happened to be at the studio and it was an isolated thing. Well, they ended up playing, Need to Breathe ended up playing at the Ryman for Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, Sam's Place kind of collection of mm-hmm. shows. And... Last minute, like, someone from their team called me and was just like, would you be available to sing Brother with the guys? And I was just like, yes. and I was like, uh, what? At the Ryman? Stephen Curtis Chapman, right. I owe him a lot. I mean, he shaped so many parts mm-hmm. of what I love about music. And I listen to his albums, like, every morning. That's another That's quirky awesome. thing. Yeah. I mean, I had just moved to town, and I got to play sing at the Ryman with Need to Breathe. And while I'm backstage, like about to go sound check, Stephen Curtis Chapman walks up to me and he's like, hi, like, what's your name? What, um, why, why are you here today? Tell me more. And was just the kindest, most conversational man. I sounded like a complete idiot. Like I you could, probably not, did, I could not did. form sentences whatsoever. I kind of forgot why I was there and then like kind of forgot the band's name. I was like, I'm with them. When they, you know, need to breathe, need to, yeah, need to breathe, need to breathe. I need to breathe right I, now. Yeah, I was like, I need some oxygen, <laughs> and I'm going to go now. I was fighting every urge to, like, add song titles of his into sentences, but he was so kind, and yeah. honestly, like, that was one of my favorite parts about that experience. Like, singing with the guys was awesome. Being mm-hmm. on the and stage was awesome, but meeting, like this iconic artist right. that I had idolized growing up and him being just the kindest human being. Mm-hmm. I still think about that. And that was when I was like, I have arrived in Nashville. Like I am here. Yeah. This is like what I'm everyone rhyming. talks about. But I still think about that interaction with Steven. And I'm like, that's how I want to always carry myself. <sighs> just so that's kind. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So what, uh, what do you look for in a good real estate agent? Ooh, I mean, I look for someone who's going to listen to me and listen to kind of what I'm wanting out of a place. Cause to me, a house is, or condo apartment, it's mm-hmm. a sanctuary. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. At first I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, not, but seriously, that's yes, so important. And, and so. feeling heard about like what, not only what you want now, but what you're going to want out of that house in the future, because it is such an investment mm-hmm. where you live. And then for me, I'm like, I want the goal for me is to have a studio in my house mm-hmm. one day, which I don't have right now. But um, I, I want someone to be attentive to those needs and also really just honestly patient, mm-hmm. I think, because... 
I always have a lot of questions about that area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I have a lot of, you know, I feel like that relationship needs to be like, can mm-hmm. I, can I call you and ask, like, I saw this house the other day and I want to talk more about it. And here's what I'm thinking. Just having that patience and the ability to right. actually listen yep. is kind of what's important to me. I like that. All right. So what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Mm. I would say if you're looking to move to Nashville, definitely come here and visit a couple times um, and know that you really want to move here. Not because this is like a hard city to acclimate to, but I think it definitely helps to know people because it is such like a relational town. Mm -hmm. So try to meet some people and figure out where you want to live because there are such different kind of I don't know if you call them boroughs around town, but every area has its own feel and aesthetic and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so just, you know, it's the town's going to welcome you no matter what. I mean, I moved here and I was 18 and I felt at home Mm -hmm. and I, you know, was very intimidated by moving. But I would say visit a couple times, figure out what you like and find a find some at least two people who have lived here for a while and know their stuff because that helped me monumentally moving here just deciding where to go all right well that's it thank you so much for joining me in the rambler and tell the audience where they can uh, find your music well thank you for having me you're welcome um this was a pleasure and an honor and i love this little rambler you can find me on Spotify, on Apple Music. It's Ivory Lane, I-V-O-R-Y-L-A-Y-N-E. Mm-hmm. I always tell people I'm not a street. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I-V-O-R-Y-L-A-Y-N-E. Playing anywhere around here? Not this month, to my knowledge, okay. but we're definitely cooking up some dates later in the year. So I will update everyone on my socials. So just All right. stay tuned. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Well, that was a great time hanging out with Ivory and make sure that you uh, check out her music. I was also glad that we finally figured out how I came across her. Um, and it was funny whenever she had mentioned uh, Project 615, Derek Evans, when I was interviewing him the whole time I was thinking that um, Project 615 was a nonprofit. She did as well. So that's great being a business that you're giving back so much that people um, see you as a nonprofit because you're giving. So on your next drive, I know if you're like me, sometimes I listen to a podcast and I might not pull all the nuggets out. Um, Ivory definitely shared some great stuff in there. You might want to re-listen to it. Next week, make sure to tune in. I will be sitting down with Quante Toombs. She is a practicing attorney for 15 years with over 10 years of government practice experience, including writing and analyzing over 100 pieces of a legislation. She's the founding board member of the Equity Alliance, president of the Equity Alliance Fund, second-year director of the Lawyers Association for Women, Marion Griffin Chapter, and past president of the Napier Luby Bar Association. And she's also the Rosebank Elementary PTA president. As well as all she's got going on, there's a lot of degrees she has. I didn't list all those, but that's pretty impressive resume. Um, she is currently running for council person in District 2 in Nashville. So this will give you some insight into who she is and what she has a passion for. And uh, I love the interview and um, the impact she's making in Nashville. So make sure to tune in to that episode next week. 
As always, thanks for taking a few minutes out of your life to listen to Nashville Untold and hear some of the stories of Nashville. If you have not subscribed, go ahead and do that. And also, uh, feel free to share it. That's uh, obviously how things get passed around this world is sharing on social media or word of mouth. And don't forget, I am in real estate. So if you're in Nashville and you're needing a realtor to help you buy, sell, or maybe even find an investment property, make sure to look me up. If you have any lender needs, make sure to give Brandon Hutchison a shout with Legacy Mutual. And if you are in need of a good title, David Weber with Limestone Title and Escrow would love to have your business. My contact details will be in the show notes as well as all the contact details for Ivory Lane. So make sure to to uh, follow her and listen to her some of her cool music she'll be releasing. And now enjoy this new tune from Ivory. Hello, I'm Ivory Lane here in this lovely studio about to play you my newest single, Me on Piano. I wrote this back in 2015 and released it last month. I'm losing focus I'm losing sleep Cause the only thing that matters is me I'm feeling hopeless And doubt Cause the only thing that matters is me In my solar system I'm the sun I don't see the need in anyone I am my best friend and enemy Cause the only thing that matters is me I'm super selfish I steal the scene Cause the only thing that matters is me And I bow and worship My thoughts and dreams Cause the only thing is me in my solar system I'm the sun I don't see the need in anyone I am my best friend and enemy cause the only thing that matters is me danger crying help I'm a hazard to my health yeah I'm strung out on myself strung out on myself I'm the danger crying help I'm a hazard to my health yeah I'm strung out on myself strung out on myself in my solar system I Sun. I don't see the need in anyone. I am my best friend and enemy. 
enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 